the funnel has been completely broken. It's sort of like if you're trying to cross a stream, there's no one bridge, right? You're really just throwing stones up, letting them land in the stream, and you want to just allow your, your user, your consumer to hop across the stream however they choose. And that's, that's what we're trying to create when we're talking about content. We're trying to create the opportunities for our user to interact with the brand. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. It's no surprise to anyone that over the last few years, many companies in all types of industries have branched out from just creating ads and have now started creating what's widely being described as content. But what is content? And more importantly, why is it important? To help me answer these questions, I'm pleased to welcome a guest who's worked with some of the most valuable brands in the world to bring their stories to life. My guest today is the CEO and creative director of Bokeh, a creative agency that develops campaign strategies and content for brands like Google, Instagram, Airbnb, WeWork, DoorDash, Visa, and more. Join me live today. I've got David Bates. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm going to have to be real with you right away and just say... I'm also in the content game, this this podcast is, and I write and post on LinkedIn and all those things. But for some reason, I've just got such a strong distaste for the word content. (laughs) Have you heard anyone use a a better word for it? Like for me, it just kind of think it feels so, I don't know, just wrong. It's really like ambiguous, uh, yet it like is used to describe absolutely everything, anything and everything that you like a brand or anybody can just put out into the world on whatever channel. But it, it is really hard to wrap your head around exactly what it is. Uh, I wish there was a better word for it because it is very confusing. You know, we used to talk about ads with a very specific sort of space in mind, and suddenly, like the conversation has blown up because people are interacting with brands everywhere. So, I mean, you see it with yourself probably too. You have to, you know, you put out your podcast, but like, it's also important for you to have a presence on social. I think it's disingenuous to put all of the the credit to social media, although social did definitely change the type of interactions that, that users could have with brands themselves. But I think the proliferation of digital in general, and especially, you know, the proliferation of a, a touchscreen telephone or a tablet, right, really started to empower the user to choose when they want to interact with brands and when they don't. And I, that's the biggest difference. The, the calculus before, especially with traditional advertising, is just to get as many eyes on it as possible. But with digital now, we're able to not only direct the gaze by choosing sort of where we want our ads or where we want our content to go, but our users are have equal ability to direct their own gaze, right? They can choose what they want to linger on. They can choose how to hop around. 
and the funnel has been completely broken, right? So there is a very indirect funnel. It's sort of like it's sort of like if you're trying to cross a stream, there's no one bridge, right? You're really just throwing stones up, letting them land in the stream, and you want to just allow your your user, your consumer, to hop across the stream however they choose. And that's that's what we're trying to create when we're talking about content. We're trying to create the opportunities for our user to interact with a brand where they wherever they choose. They can go from Instagram over to the Facebook or over to the website. They can start, you know, by seeing a billboard and then following that to Instagram and then, you know, to a website or to a third party. So there's no sort of just direct way to go from seed brand to storefront. We have to plan for all of these alternative means of getting to yes. Mm. So it makes it super tricky to kind of explain what it is you do, but how do you describe what you do for your customers? We hear words such as content, great. We also hear words such as integration, right? Or integrated content or integrated marketing, right? Which is just another way of saying, I need my stuff to work everywhere, right? Like I I need to be able to take this piece that I'm spending money on and also apply it here in a way that feels natural and is going to lend itself to results. Before starting Bokeh, I had the experience of working at Google as a content producer. And what that exposed me to was a lot of the ways that, that well, one, agencies are sort of taking advantage of the, the, the lack of knowledge base early on when it came to social media and, and integrated content. And they were taking advantage of that. And they were charging a brand like Google thousands and thousands or tens of thousands of dollars for like an Instagram campaign, like a post, right? And people paid because they didn't know what they were doing. They thought, you know, they work with an agency. The agency knows better at the, you know, when in reality, the agency is guessing and checking just as much as the brand is at that point. And so we say we like to work as an extension of the brands, the brand teams, the marketing teams, uh, the creative teams that we work with, right? And so for us, it's really about breaking the divide that you typically see between agency and and uh, and client before we hit record you and i you you mentioned the idea of applying constraints to creative problem Mm -hmm. solving and that is what makes it work is you can replicate a strategy over and over again because you've applied constraints so you might hire the best designers in the world but they know you know that the designers only have a thousand by 800 pixels to work on. And that's just a very simple constraint, but you could also have like outcomes that you're looking for and whatnot. And that the reason I bring up constraint is because that is required in any type of strategy. And so now that we've had, like you're describing kind of integrated marketing campaigns for the last 10 years, maybe strategies have evolved and there's now kind of a, a common best practice that most people would agree with. And that one that comes up time and time again is that any brand needs to start thinking like a media company. Can you do you agree with that statement? When we make the generalization everybody should be thinking like a media company or or thinking about that. We are talking about consumer brands first and foremost and and there are only like 
there are only a certain few brands that really have the capability and resources to really act as those media partners. Now, you're absolutely right. Like, if you're consumer facing, you need to make sure that you have a presence. You always have to make sure that you have a voice out there. I mean, that's sort of a best practice, right? Like, if you can be posting on on Instagram often or posting on Facebook or interacting with your users on Twitter. I mean, these are all sort of best practices. But so so that's right. But I think that's where the challenge is, right? Like if we're if we're calling like managing your social media accounts, like thinking as a as a media company, I, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of a very way to stretch it. But like when you're applying a media company to the idea of like a Spotify or uh, an Apple or a Google, like that comparison um, makes much more sense when you're when you're thinking about it as like a Mattel, right, or a Hasbro. That makes a lot more sense if you look at it as Lego. That makes a lot more sense. And in fact, those brands did do that. They did become media companies, but not every not every brand or startup is going to have the capabilities of doing it to that level. You know, some of it is just you just have to curate your social media account, right? Mm. But in a way, curation is a great way to have a presence, but not be creating original stuff, right? Like that is what even like a, a movie channel on TV. They're just curating what movies they show and which ones they can get the rights to. So that's a, that's a, that's a perfect example, though, of a strategy that is kind of an alternative to creating original content. Uh, absolutely. Right. So like part of the strategies that we do, too, is not only about creating original like content or assets for a brand, but especially when we need to be a bit more agile and and a bit more resourceful is is looking out into the world and trying to figure out what can we be repurpose, right? Or how can we lean into our users? How can we lean into our data? How can we lean into UGC? And so these are all avenues for us to sort of curate content and create content without having to necessarily like ask our clients to put up the investment for like bespoke production or for something new. But also understanding that, you know, strategically, when you, you consider the type of users that interact with some of these brands, you don't need a high fidelity production. In fact, you know, it's sort of funny. When the internet came of, of age um, in the late 90s, I remember the GIFs. I remember those sort of very slow, low fidelity, sort of like looping little videos. And then 10 years later or somehow 10, 15 years later, they came back and people are using them as a form of communication. Back then in like 1999, we were like, what the hell is this? Like this is, looks so like campy, but now it's back and we're using those and memes as a form of communication. You look at platforms like Snapchat and TikTok that, that really sort of broke down the barrier for for the type of content people look for, right? And, and actually that less production design, that less structured, less polished piece uh, is, tends to connote more authenticity. So I think you're absolutely, like there's multiple strategies on how you can get to the content, how you can be that sort of media company, right? 
you just have to decide what is the type of story you want to lean into. A lot mm-hmm. of restaurants, they, they, they function simply by reposting the photos that, they're, that their users take, right? Mm-hmm. Their only job then is to just make their plates look as goddamn pretty as possible or as, like, as juicy as possible so that their users will post it. And I remember having conversations with some of the marketing, one of the leads of marketing at the Melt, which is this like grilled cheese chain. And, you know, what they said is they oftentimes got better responses when they just reposted images from their users, or they just took it on their phone themselves. And it's a little grainy and the lighting is off. than when they actually did a you know, actual shoot with a photographer, a food stylist, getting the cheese to melt, like that looked like an ad. And so I think that's, that's the other side of, of this content. That's very confusing. You have to, you have to create media for your fans, for your users to interact with. But at the same time, you have to create content that's going to feel accessible to them and natural. A lot of your projects take place over a bunch of different platforms. They're not just taking place on phone screens. They're taking places on physical and digital assets like billboards you mentioned and social and then print and then video. What has been your biggest learning in the last couple of years around what makes for a successful storyline that is able to, to work on all different medias at the same time? It's just thinking early about where this content could go and just making sure that you shoot it, you design it in a way that is going to allow you to adapt it. I think the biggest mistake a lot of companies make is they invest in the hero content, but they're not necessarily thinking before they produce it how that will cut down, how that will scale across channels, right? They don't, they're not thinking of the different ways of editing it. David, what do you mean by hero content? Um, I mean, like, okay, we're going to put 500,000 into a television commercial. And then we need, we need to figure out something for social. We need some 30 seconds and 15 seconds. You know, we could use a, a couple of 10 seconds, right? Then the, the company, the production company, the agency goes out and shoots it. They, they shoot the, they, they edit the main video and then they do the cut downs, right? But they, you know, they haven't always thought about how they're shooting it to optimize for that cut down, to optimize for that resizing. So they're just sort of like moving the the camera around, moving the frame around in post-production as opposed to, you know, actually being on set, knowing, you know, what the square crop is, what the vertical is, what production design is going to be in the, in the square or the four by five or the vertical that's not going to be in the, the widescreen. And so we always try to put that thought into the content we create just so that we know going into it how things are going to translate over. And then that thought also gets carried on to all of the ancillary parts of a campaign where you have your primary stories, you have your secondary stories. And understanding how we can layer a production so we can get the most out of the assets that we're using, whether that's talent, whether that's an interview subject, what can we do? You know, we're using them and we have their time for this 
Anthem video, but how could then we use their time for social? Let's put a phone in their hands. Let's do an Instagram takeover, right? And so understanding how we can leverage those different components that go into creative to create a layered production that's going to allow us to develop assets that can be used across more channels and then giving it the forethought about how does this story cut down? How does it resize? And making sure that we plan for that in production, that that additional thought up front makes a huge difference in being able to scale across these channels in a way that's going to feel natural to your user. So a lot of that stuff you just described is on the, it's your job as the agency to know that that is a creative constraint and figure out how to solve the problem. When a brand comes to you and they need your help, how do they vocalize it? Like, what are they, what are they even looking for? I mean, it really depends on what the ask is, right? A lot of times it's, it's just how do we tell this story and where could this story go? Right? So they come with you knowing that they've got a really solid story that they want to make sure they, they hit right? They come knowing that they have a, a solid product or they have a product that's worth communicating, right? Or a feature, platform, something worth communicating, a value that people should know about. But they don't know how to articulate that uh, to their users. They obviously want to get the most out of any spend, but they don't know what can be done within the timeline or whatever budget they have available. And so a lot of times our job is to help thread those needles to figure out how can we maximize what our client has and maximize the use of our time, create the most efficiencies so we can get them the most assets that can be used in the immediate campaign, but also potentially be used in the future. One of, one of our, you know, one of our favorite campaigns that we did is we helped DoorDash uh, a year ago launch Kitchens Without Borders. And for this, we, we ran around the country, Los Angeles and Chicago, in the Bay Area, and we captured interviews with, with immigrant and refugee business owners in these cities. Just them telling their stories, what their food means to them, and what does it mean to them to be able to share that food with their community. And sort of ingrained in their stories was the essence of the American dream, which is, which is something that's very close to our hearts. So from our standpoint, like this meant a lot to us. But beyond that campaign, we also knew that we were creating a series and a library of assets that were going to be powerful and visual enough for DoorDash to continually revisit. And so it's sort of a funny thing. They have DoorDash actually, we we work with them still as a lot of fun, but they do have for their brand marketing an agency of record. And this agency of record for four or five different campaigns over the course of the last year, open for delivery, the International Women's Day, no campaign here, campaign there. They have continually gone back to the footage that we used, that we captured, and they just recut it, re-edit it, or they just come to us and ask us to re-edit it. And I always find it funny because God knows what DoorDash is paying this agency um, on a retainer every month for them to only use all of the content, all of the assets that a previous agency already produced for them and then just changing the hashtag on it right like it's a, it's a bittersweet thing because it's great to see our content you know 
being revisited. It's doing exactly what we wanted it to do, which is live and be a resource for DoorDash to be able to continue to tell their stories however they choose to. You recently uh, started a project with Spotify and another another one with Affirm. And those are two very different products that they offer. One is known for music and podcasts and the other one is for payment processing. When you're starting a new project with a customer, how do you scope out what kind of help you can provide them with? Do you have any favorite questions that you ask in that those early days to get a sense of what their kind of taste for content is? We are the we're the agency of record for for Spotify's global product marketing, and we're an agency of record for a firm their their consumer brand marketing teams. and And so early on, you know, when when they came to us, you know, for both of them, they're they're just looking for creatives who are one going to understand where a lot of their users and where a lot of their advertisers and advertising dollars need to go digital, but also creatives that are not afraid to to come up with new ideas and, and to throw different ideas out them that may be bigger. Like for us, our job is to sort of try to test the limits of the brand and then like pull back. One of the questions that we do ask is, you know, we're asking early on about what, what are some of their primary channels? And if we're working with a global team, when we're trying to understand, like, what are the primary channels that your users use? What type of penetration, you know, does your product have in, you know, the European market or in, you know, the UK versus Spain or, you know, in Latin America? And we're trying to get a better understanding of the demographics. Who are their users? Who are their targets? How do they actually categorize these users or targets, right? Do they differentiate by age or by ethnicity or, or do they do it by market? Like, how are they measuring all of this. We're also asking about how they measure success when it comes to campaigns or content. What are some benchmark campaigns for them that have actually really helped push the needle? So a lot of those initial questions early on, especially in the relationship, are those immersion questions to really get ourselves on the same page as the brand. Because ultimately, like we understand that we need to have a very intuitive relationship with the brand. We need to be able to speak in their voice. We need to be able to dress in their clothes. And so before we can do that, we need to really have an understanding of where they're coming from in terms of who their users are, what are the types of content that works, and what are the channels that they that they prioritize first and foremost. From there, then we can then we can start to then we can start to look outward as what are some new platforms or new channels that we can try or or what is going to make sense. You know, it's the holiday seasons coming up. Some we're planning some holiday campaigns for some of the brands that we work with. And so a question that we have to ask is, you know, how does this brand how is this brand going to speak during this very tumultuous, very interesting, very unique time in our country's history and in the world history, right? We, we have a pandemic that has kept people at home. We have an economy that's hurting. We have a lot of things going on in an election. And, and so how does a brand, how does a brand want to speak in this environment? And for us to answer that question and start to create, develop creative for that, it really starts with an understanding of those users and 
from the get-go. Last question for you, David. What What's the most exciting content trend that you're going to be paying attention to for the next six months, let's say? I'm, I'm fascinated with TikTok. And so if they manage to stay alive, I... I think the way TikTok has empowered post-millennials, Gen, Gen Z, to express themselves creatively and the way that then it gives a outlet for brands to communicate with them. I mean, I think it's something very interesting to see, right? Like I saw it as a millennial. I saw how brands had to figure out how to speak to millennials on platforms like Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter, right? And then I saw them struggle to understand, you know, what Snapchat is and try to communicate there. And Snapchat is sort of like elder millennials, sort of like younger millennials and older like Gen Z. But then TikTok is just kind of a pure Gen Z thing. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how that platform continues to take off and how brands sort of take advantage of that and the sort of the creativity is spurred. I, I think some of the ways that brands can encourage users to create content is is really fascinating to me. Because I think that's where you want to get to, right? Especially in a time where there's finite marketing and advertising resources, like you want to get users to create your content for you. And TikTok is a platform that allows people to do it in a very organic and and shareable way. So that's that's something that I'm really uh, interested in seeing. I think, you know, talking about branded content, there's always been this sort of talk about whether or not brands should start to lean into the film industry or, or tell stories. You have Airbnb that that created their own festival documentary. Square had one of their short films featured and, and win a jury prize in, in South by Southwest. And that was just a pure documentary. And so there's there's something to this idea of like how brands themselves can start to use entertainment, can start to use film fiction or nonfiction as an extension of of their brand stories. And and I think that's a very interesting and I would love to see that grow as the filmmaker inside of me wants to be able to make those unbranded films for brands have them foot the bill, but then it's not an advertisement, right? I think what brands are struggling with is how to justify the costs of those investments for brand building. And so that's something that I'm interested to see. There is a big, you know, what I've seen with like DoorDash and Kitchens Without Borders when we did that is whether or not like it had a good, you know, consumer bounce, the way that it was in braced by its by DoorDash's employees might be where you actually want to measure the value those sorts of marketing efforts or advertising efforts or perhaps you need to start to create partnerships between marketing and HR to create mm. those and tell those type of stories because that is far more powerful than just you know a fun little holiday video to get people to laugh like that those type of stories are what get your employees to stay at your company. And in, uh, you know, in an environment where companies are com 
competing for software engineers and and you know everybody has started to adopt a, a silicon valley benefits package offering lunch and dinner and micro kitchens and <laughs> and cold brew on tap and unlimited vacation days so so i'm interested to see if if brands start to get the hint that maybe developing and spending money on these type of these type of entertainment these type of documentaries these type of films that are extensions of their brand story without being ads can actually be a huge benefit to them both from a consumer standpoint but especially from an employee standpoint to to retain talent so i'm interested to see how branded content continues to grow branded entertainment continues to grow and a platform like tiktok i find absolutely fascinating yeah absolutely i've heard other people describe that internal marketing to be a new really important thing for those large companies whether it's like an internal podcast where they talk like to to meet other employees that you would have never met before discuss topics about your company that's a super cool insight even go as far as on something like disney plus it's a paid service and yet there's still a show on that platform that is like it's called working for disney and they cherry pick cool roles of course but it is a documentary of what it's like to work at disney so you're literally getting kids begging their parents to pay for disney plus to watch recruitment videos so that they can grow up wanting to work at disney thank you so much for taking the time david this has been really interesting and uh you can find out more about david through linkedin that's where he likes to spend most of his, most of his time under david bates b-a-t-e-s you can also check out bouquet's website at b-o-k-e-h dot agency thank you so much david this has been great if you enjoyed anything that you just heard you're gonna absolutely love what i'm about to tell you if you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button you'll be added to an email list where i share exclusive content related to this show This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.